Oh, when that bass drops in, you know it's time to begin. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Oh, we're always with you. We're always supporting you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week Brooklinen they're bringing the show to you DLC of course the show all about games and their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard I am your host, Jeff Canada. that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is all about that pumpkin spice, the spice man himself, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Oh, I'm the spice man. I had that pumpkin to things that were fine all year, and then, uh, uh-oh, put a little pumpkin in it. Now it's October. It's still 80 degrees out, but you gotta get that spice. Spice Man's voice maybe needs a little work. I don't know. Did everybody know. turn off the episode already? Like I already <laughs> yeah. It's a little off-putting. But you know what? I like the Spice Man. Uh, <laughs> who, who, who do you want to thank for all the spices in your lattes? The Spice Man, of course. Um, Christian, I have to, right at the top, I have to uh, say thank you to everybody. That sent, oh, not, not to, to you. me. Not to you. <laughs> to everybody who said uh, sent wonderful welcome back wishes last week for me. Uh, I appreciated everybody. It was so sweet, so nice. It was cool because for a lot of people, it was a big surprise. They turned on the episode thinking it was going to be another, you know, lame Christian episode. And then they got me and they were like, wow, how great is it? And uh, they didn't have to, you know. with me, the spice man. All right. We got a lot to talk about. Oh, my, Actually, there is a ton of gaming news happening right now. Games, this is the fall. We're, we're in it, you know, because the Spice Man is here that the fall is happening. <laughs> so uh, we got fall games hitting. There's just so much to talk about. It's insane. And the good news is we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because DLC stands for diversify like carcillo because he talks sports he talks games he talks comics he's a voice actor and a podcaster and a writer and it's the first time he's been on our show despite being a friend for a long time ray carcillo is joining the show hey ray what's up guys how's it do how's it going thank you so much for uh, having me on the show i'm super excited to be here all right let's get into the show and start things the way we always do with story of the week Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Really cool folks hanging out, good community. I encourage you to give it a shot, check it out, and contribute. Ray, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, after that great intro, I feel I would let everybody down by not combining sports and video games. And of course, <laughs> uh, the big esports news of the week was the San Francisco Shock won the second season of Overwatch League. They swept the Vancouver Titans in the championship match, really went on an amazing run. They lost their first their first round match against Atlanta, 4-3 to three in a heartbreaker. Went down to the loser's bracket, 
and didn't drop a map the rest of the tournament. Went 5-0, 20-0 overall in terms of map play. Just absolutely unbelievable domination in the postseason. And yeah, you got San Francisco Shocker, now the second ever Overwatch League champions. They lived up to their name. Yeah, they shocked the world. Uh, I, as an old-time San Francisco sports fan, I'm a fan of the 49ers and the Giants and the Golden State Warriors because I grew up in the Bay Area. I got to be excited about this. This is my uh, this is my hometown team, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my my hometown team, the New York Excelsior, won the uh, Atlantic League division, uh, unfor- but unfortunately got knocked out in the uh, the the second to final match, and I guess I guess the semifinals against the Shock. So now we have we are we are rivals now. I guess. Ah, now. So, it feels right. It feels yeah. right. <laughs> San Francisco and New York always button heads, whether it's in football. Uh, or baseball, usually football, Giants, Niners, a lot of times, a lot of yeah. great matchups. But uh, sure. yeah, but no, the, the shock absolutely shocked the world. They, they started the season poorly, uh, got off to a real slow start, but then they seemed to click. And like in a lot of a lot of great teams do, when you find your stride, when you find when you get hot at the right time, and you gel with your teammates at the right time, sometimes you can just ride that to glory. And that's what these guys did: one point one million dollar purse for the championship yeah, wow. today. That's awesome. And I would love to get your, your take your temperature a little bit about the Overwatch League uh, in general. I think you're probably paying more attention to it than I have been lately. I, I've enjoyed watching it get set up. I was actually pretty invested, uh, you know, early on in the, its lifespan and kind of have fallen out of it just because I don't really play Overwatch too much. But I, I like the level of professionalism, the production value. I like the organization of the teams. I think having them tied to Cities like uh, like traditional sports teams are it was a really strong choice and a strong idea. Yep. What what is your feeling about now? You know, second season of of Overwatch League having crowned a champion. Do you think it has improved in the second season? Do you think there's still room for more improvement? What's your what's your take? I, I think it's kind of it's 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 held serve right. I think from season one to season two, like you said, the production value was great. There was a lot of. Uh, uh, there's a lot of great energy around it. I love the fact that they were able to go to Philadelphia and sell out the Wells Fargo Arena uh, and you know, do it in front of a, a proper in a proper sports stadium, not just uh, you know as much as I love the the uh, Overwatch Stadium here in Los Angeles. Uh, I love the fact that they went took it on the road, sold out a stadium, huge. It felt it felt like any other championship whether you're watching the Super Bowl or uh, the World Series, it had that kind of production value to it. But I think the big thing that's going to happen with Overwatch League is next year, when you start to actually see these teams that represent these cities hosting matches in their home cities. That's when you're going to see this, I think, really, really take off. And I really think you're going to see it take this eSport to the next level. Because I'm with you. I think the the best thing they did, and I've been saying it for years, was identifying an eSports team with a city like a traditional sport because it allows guys who might not have the uh, esports insight that we do right. a, a, chan- a way to identify with these teams. Because immediately I know guys in New York who, who aren't as familiar with it, but they're like, they represent New York. Well, well, yeah, all right. They're my team then. Let's go with Socio. Let's go. All right. You yeah. know, and it's yeah. like they, they may not know as much about this, the game as baseball or football, but the second they can identify it with, with their hometown it, it's that an easy way to get in. So I think that now that you'll have New York and you'll have the overseas, you know, London and Seoul and in San Francisco hosting matches on the regular, having true home matches. Well, it might not affect the gameplay because obviously we're all playing the same game, 
I think that being in front of a crowd that's rooting just for San Francisco or yeah. just for New York, I think is going to be what takes this to the, to the absolute next level next year. So seasons one to two held serve. Fantastic. Again, really great job. Tremendous gameplay. Uh, and if you, if you had a chance to watch these matches, I mean, again, folks, San Francisco just dominated. I mean, it's some of the best overwatch play you're, you're going to see. You're likely to see ever. Uh, and, but I think to do it next year in hometown, in your hometown is going to take it to the next level. Christian Spicer, what do you, uh, what's your take on Overwatch League? Have you kept tabs on it or have you kind of fallen out as, as I have? I have kept tabs uh, loosely. I check in here and again. Um, good friend and writing partner, uh, Ben, is a big Overwatch um, fan. And so we meet and write <clears throat> twice a week. And I, that's where I get my my check-ins for things I miss. And then I usually go and I'm, I'm the person now. Excuse me, big throat clear. <clears throat> I'm the person that I, I legit watch most of it the way I would consume a lot of older sports and that's via highlights. Um, you know, whether it's Twitter or on Twitch or, um, other recap shows, I really like watching, um, highlights of plays. And I find I don't sit down and watch, uh, full tournaments and matches, but I have been following this season and, uh, I agree with Ray. I think, actually playing in cities is going to be huge for it. And while, yes, they're still sitting and playing the game, I think there's going to be something about, or I anticipate there being something about travel, what that adds to it. I mean, that is, it's not 162 games like baseball or whatever, but still like, you know, you're traveling to a hostile environment. You're sitting in a place that's not the same stadium every time where every, you know, the locker room air quote is, it's the same. Like it's going to be a different experience. And I think, or I hope that you're going to have actual um, home team crowds, whereas the Los Angeles stadium is, is fun and neat and they <clears throat> give signs um, to people to hold for every team. Th- that To me, that feels like American Ninja Warrior. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where it's like, yeah, yeah there, there are people yeah. at Universal Studios to watch this thing and, and look at these amazing American Ninja Warriors. But when you're actually going to an event or a stadium in that city. And most of the people there are there to support their team. If only because hey, New York or hella cool bra, you know, California, whatever it is, it's, it's going to add something and whether or not that makes people too excited and they're not able to focus or it really gets on the visiting team. I'm super excited to see um, how that evolves the tournament. And I'm super excited. I keep waiting. It's kind of like active reload. Jeff is the thing that we've been harping on for forever. Um, that more games should steal that or um, oh shadow of Mordor. What are those bosses called? Nemesis. System. Nemesis. Yeah. The nemesis system. I want other E leagues to copy more of the overwatch league. I like what NBA does. Um, and I like what some of these other leagues out there are doing rocket league. And of course, Fortnite uh, is huge tournament here. Just wrapped up a couple months ago, but I really, really like the overwatch formula and I want to see more uh, games copy it. Well, I think the reason we haven't seen more already is that it, it's super expensive <laughs> to do it that way, you know, because it, the other way esports has done it is somebody bankrolls a team and somebody, you know, uh, right. wants their, the name of their thing associated with that team because they paid to own that team and support that team. And um, so to have it be the, you know, the San Francisco shock, you lose a bit of that, uh, what you would be paying for. Uh, perhaps, but I think I think we're all in support of the idea that you get it on the other end. You know, you get the the more casual uh, attention, as Ray was was talking about. 
So yeah, I agree. I'm I'm hoping that more of these leagues are uh, these kinds of leagues are coming. And I think ultimately it's good for esports in general. And I'm also excited, you know, you're talking about uh, digesting these as highlights more than full episodes. You know, we saw some news a couple of weeks ago about a potential like esports network even coming to potentially to TV. I think that'd be great if there was like a sports center for esports and that kind of thing. I think it would be um, it'd be great. And I think it would only help this catch on even more than it has. And I, th- and I, I'm not the kind of person that believes that it only should happen in a streaming environment or a online environment, even though the audience is online savvy. I do think a TV network is a pretty smart idea and could, you know, open it up even further. I mean, you see, I go to, I go to a lot of bars like guild hall and whatnot here in LA and you see them, they have it all streaming on televisions already. Yeah. It, changing it to a channel would make it just again. It's just another way for people to consume something that they already love. I think that I, I agree. I think the idea of a esport an e ESPN would be <laughs> uh, would be brilliant. You know, I mean, I think that a lot of people would gravitate towards. I think that is the one thing that is hurting esports as a whole right now is that the commentary could improve in a lot of facets. I think that. A lot of times with the commentators, they assume that the people who are watching already know a lot about the game. And I think right. that I think if you had the, a, a proper color commentator who could kind of like John Madden did for football and for, you know, a lot of other folks like like not dumb it down, but speak it in layman's terms. You can also that's another great way that you could potentially grow. And I think that a esports network would could be that bridge between the guys who uh, already know and understand the meta and sometimes have trouble conveying that in these streams when they're commentating uh, versus the guy, the Joe Schmo at home who wants to learn about it, who wants to get involved and, and, and enjoy esports, but might not know all that stuff. And when you get somebody, when you get a commentator who can bridge that gap and can, can translate the meta to, uh, to the casual observer, that's when I think you're going to really see esports take off even more. And I think we're really close to that. I agree, actually. I, even though it is, it's a tough line to straddle because obviously most people tuning in at this point are pretty savvy with the game, and you don't want to, mm-hmm. them to feel like they're being talked down to or or um, feel tedious to them. But I agree with you. I think that is the next level, next layer that will peel this onion even farther back and let more people in. Uh, I, I also think coming hand in hand with that is a as we evolve ways to watch these games and not just be stuck in the game's perspective. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of value in seeing the game being played by individual players as they're playing it. But I also feel like, you know, Overwatch in particular stuck in that first person perspective. I often feel like I don't have a good sense of how the match is going. Um, So I think, you know, the more that they switch that up and I know Overwatch league already has some cool, like, you know, third person views that they cut to and more, uh, but I think all of that is going to continue to evolve and be clearer and uh, allow for more casual fans to feel included. Yeah, I think we might have talked about this while you were gone, Jeff, but or maybe it was before, right before, but Modern Warfare, um, the 2v2 mode especially, um, I think is perfect for this type of viewership where it's small maps. Uh, everybody starts with the same loadout or, you know, you get to pick, but it's very similar to what you're starting with. And the object- objective is abundantly clear. 
you know, it's eliminate the other team and you're doing it quickly. And it's kind of in like picture a paintball. It doesn't look like paintball, but you know, it's, it's almost like an arena already. Um, And so I think watching that from a third person's perspective or like a cloud cam or something like that within going into um, first person for replays or something, it's, um, I think it's very, very watchable. And I think we are going to see other games figure that out. And Fortnite did a great job with it too in their first big, you know, kind of money giveaway. And I do think that is the key to make it more accessible where watching a football game or baseball, imagine if the only way you could watch baseball was from the helmet cam of the hat cam of the left fielder. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very different game. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I mean, I, listen, I get it. I mean, it, you, you used to playing the game a lot. You're used to that perspective. You understand what's going on, but I do think that there's going to be an evolution of that and it'll improve. Anyway, uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Man, there's, uh, some biggies. Uh, there's some, some, some biggies here and I, I know what I want to talk about and I'm really annoyed that it's not official yet because I thought I was going to be official already, but it's still just a tease. Still just a, a little a little spark in an eye, a little glimmer. But WB Montreal has been teasing a new Batman game. It started on uh, Batman Day, Batman's B-Day. And there was a, bat, a bunch of cities around the U.S. or maybe the world had um, the bat signal displayed on buildings. And they had it on their building, which is like, huh, of all the stu- why this one? It's like a people thinking. Then there was in that kind of stream of it, if you paused it, there was like a glitchy little logo. And then they came out with an official tweet uh, of that kind of logo shifting for images as they kind of shift between things. And then it went even further and they tweeted out something that said capture the night with much better quality images of those kind of logos. And they are the studio behind Arkham origins, which I think is a fantastic game. It launched very buggy, um, very, very buggy, but the, the um, boss fights, I think are some of the best in any of the Arkham games. I think the story is maybe the most cohesive or the tightest. Um, And they hint at court of owls, and that's kind of maybe what this is rumored. Uh, also, oh man, name escaping me. A um, dog, doggone it. Uh, Rachel No, a Batman comic book writer tweeted Snyder? out. Yes, thank you. And then quickly deleted, like prepare for the owls or something like that. Uh, and he has a penchant for uh, being excited about things, aka spoiling them. So all signs point to this, but. I, I thought maybe we were going to get it at State of Play or maybe at a Inside Xbox, but now it looks like um, my fingers are crossed. It's charting for Game Awards, hopefully. It does um, seem like anyway, a Game Awards thing, yeah. Yeah, long, long rambly way of saying new Arkham game coming, and this kid's very excited. Okay, so it does seem that that – I mean, it would be ridiculous if, you know, all of this is not leading to something. So let's assume – we're getting a new Batman game. My question Woo-hoo! to you, Christian Spicer, what kind of a Batman game do you want? Do you, do you want something that is along the lines of the kinds of, of you know, those rock steady Batman games we've gotten in the past? More of that, just new story? Or would you like to see WB Montreal do something that pushes away from that a little bit or evolves it? I'd love to see an evolution or a reinvention, of course, if it done if done well. Um, that being said, if it was just more of the same and it was a not buggy 
um, origins or continue, you know, I, I think that if it does play I like in this your, arc, you're, the best thing it could be is not buggy. <laughs> or, or, origins is great now, but it, it launched rough. It, it, I'd be doing the community a disservice if I did not mention how rough that game launched for a while. Um, but I, I like that game. I, I like those games. I still dive into Arkham Knight from time to time. I've added them all to my Epic Game Store library as they were all free, which makes me think that this new one's going to be an Epic Game Store exclusive on PC. Um, I, I really like those games. So if it is just another one of those without as much Batmobile or something as Knight had, I think that'd be great. In my ideal world, it wouldn't be a game of service game. I don't want Anthem in the Batman world. But I would love if they oh, explored if, if I would love if another if like another main character was explored. I, I my favorite Batman, this might be um, make people very upset with me, but I have a st- couple of statues of him in my office. My favorite Batman is Dick Grayson as Batman. So I think that'd be cool if they explored that timeline that could kind of fit with the Court of Owls thing. But I'd like you don't to see want that. To, you don't want Bat Toll Royale. <laughs> they already made that kind of it was like Gotham. Oh man, it was like a shooter. I mean, he's in Fortnite. Gotham City Imposters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And also, he's in Fortnite right now. He's <laughs> a good-looking model too. They did a really good job with those skins. So, I mean, yes, I, I would love if they tweaked the formula some and reinvented it, and, and you know, did whatever. I'd love if every game was God of War 2018, right? <laughs> like, but that's a that's a tall cup of uh, tall cup of order. I think this is saying I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Batman, Batman just comes calls Robin boy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> get dressed. Let's go. Dude, he actually, goes like this. would be perfect if you're he just goes, like, it's a super, you play, they play Robin super young, you know, like the, uh, oh, like the Robin year one kind of thing. Yes. Almost. Oh man. That'd be so rad. Actually. It's, you just skin it. You just skin the game. You know, the, the, um, the guys that you meet, I can't remember their names of anybody in God of War right now, but like they're, you know, it's, uh, it's his, forget i said anything i can't remember any enough names to make this cool but you could do it as a skin i think it would work but you have to add wonder after every time he says boy boy <laughs> wonder i <laughs> <laughs> uh, mean uh ray what, what about you i mean are you hoping this is the next in that pantheon of games and, and it's sort of just this new story do, using the same basic you know, detective mechanics, detective mode, uh, those that battle system with stringing together combos, flinging through Gotham City. More of that, just new story? Or would you like to see a Batman game that does something different? I mean, I would love for them to take a risk and to do something different. But I think that the Arkhamverse is now so beloved and there are still so many corners that you could explore with it, you know, like the Court of Owls and so many other villains. I think that they're going to probably probably just stick with the Ark- the arkham thing tweak you know add some more gadgets probably lessen the the use of the batmobile um i mean the question would be where does it fall in the timeline right because these guys uh like spicer mentioned it, it it took they did origins which of course was a prequel to to city and to asylum uh is this going to take place like still before asylum but after origins will it be after arkham knight like where i mean that there's so there's a lot if they go that route there's a lot of questions about where exactly they they would take it in terms of the timeline but i would again i would i would love if they did something different i just don't see them doing something different uh but that's okay because the arkham verse is one of my favorite series of batman games arkham city was my game of the year the year it came out like i mean it's still probably for me arkham city is still the pinnacle 
of that series. And I would love if they just went back to, um, you know, less Batmobile, but just exploring an even, you know, bigger, bigger section of Gotham, maybe even doing something where he goes to Bloodhaven, yeah, right. And yeah. adding like different cities to it and, and maybe taking on some of night, maybe t- team up with Nightwing to take on some of his villains like Blockbuster and, and guys like that. I think that would be really cool, but uh, we'll, we'll see what they do. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's hard because that rock steady version of Batman as a video game is darn near perfect. You know, it's I would yeah. I mean, that's overstating it, but it is nailed. You know, they nailed yeah. Batman and they, you know, we all at the time talked about how finally there was a superhero video game that worked. And they it's hard to say, hey, diverge away from that when you have this template that has been perfected and really delivers the feeling of being Batman in a very visceral way in a cool way and all the elements of Batman from figuring things out to the gadgets to the you know secretively taking down a room of bad guys to you know story to the fighting you know large groups of bad guys really every aspect of the Batman fantasy is done so well in those Arkham games so it's hard to say well move away from that but I have to say, me personally, as much as I laud those games and enjoy them and did enjoy them, I have gotten a bit of fatigue just from a visual standpoint on the series. Each revisit into Gotham City, it it's even as they revise and enhance the way that city is presented, it still feels the same. It's always nighttime. There's some neon. It's grimy. And yeah, that's what Gotham City is, right? So yeah, you nailed it. But also every single one of those games that comes out, I feel like I'm in the same space again. Even though I'm doing new things, experiencing new story, I'm. it, it just feels a little fatiguing to constantly be in that dark Gotham place. And so I think my biggest wish for a new Batman game would be like, what if Batman visits Metropolis? How, let's just like l- think about what that would look like bright shiny daytime batman stuff yeah we can have nighttime in metropolis too but i just like just a new visual palette for the series i think would go so far in making me more excited about it you know put batman in the snow for some reason put batman in just different colors just a different you know visual scape and i'm already more interested because it would feel different than i felt in those dozens and dozens of hours i've spent in dark old Gotham. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did, they did the snow thing sort of in origins, but it was still dark and bleak. But what would be interesting is if you did daytime was Bruce Wayne talking with Clark Kent, talking with Lex Luthor, Mm. you know, going to a place like Metropolis. And then obviously at night you do something, you do something like that with the, the, with the, uh, the animated universe did with world's finest, right? Where Joker and Luther team up. And so Batman and Superman have to team up. And that of course would lead to justice league. That would be something that would be really cool. Whether or not they did it. I don't, well, we can, we can hope, right? (laughs) I mean, I love the, the idea that you just sparked in my head of like this WB Montreal game sets up the rock steady justice league game. (laughs) That would be rad, right? They do it like, uh, you know, they do it like the movies are doing where one thing sets up another thing from a different director and they just do it from different studios. That'd be pretty rad. Jeff, I have a pitch for you. It's two words. It's two words. And I think it might fix everything. Yeah. Terry McGinnis. (laughs) Okay. 
we get more neon <laughs> we put it in the future it's still dark it's it's clean it's not it's not i mean it's dirty and like they're gonna get you you know but batman's really old like just make it beyond baby like that's the perfect fix i mean i'm into it i think it sells an order of magnitude fewer copies but i'm, I'm into it you think you think Batman Beyond would be uh wanted to appeal to the mainstream the way that another Arkham game would? I would love if they went beyond, but oh, I mean it's I coming mean, it on Blu ray soon. Yeah, it would be wild. Um I maybe I misjudged the love for Beyond, but I feel it's very niche. I don't know. Ray, what what you're you're I, a I think guy. Beyond I think Beyond has actually kind of gotten a second life in recent years. They've since DC has started doing monthly Batman Beyond comics. Um, I believe Dan Jurgens is writing them right now. Um, that's ha- that has really kind of brought Terry McGinnis back into the limelight. And there's also all this talk about wanting to do a Batman Beyond live action movie, right? Where Michael Keaton comes back as old Batman, right? And you get somebody new. So I think that uh, I think that there is definitely a hardcore fan base there for Batman Beyond. You got you've got your fan base for Batman Beyond. You've got your Batman fan base that will consume anything Batman related. Will it do as good as the Arkham series? Probably not, but it's that's not to say it would do badly because I think there are a lot more Batman Beyond fans who have shown their colors and, and, and come out in recent years, especially with the launch of, of streaming services like DC, uh, DC Universe. Uh, like Spicer said, the, the Blu-rays, uh, the completely remastered, are coming out, I think, next month. So I think that Batman Beyond has its fan base. It's just that they've been quiet for a long time because it's – at least outside of comic books, it's a universe that hasn't been, or a timeline that hasn't been visited in over 20 years. Yeah. Well, I'm into it. I mean, especially if we get the, that Keaton movie, that would, I mean, that is just dream scenario. Um, But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know when we'll see Christian, but I do think you're right. It, it it does seem to point to a game awards trailer drop. Uh, You know, I'm sure it'll be all CG story trailer, but you know, we'll be excited. We'll see what it's all about. And if ah. Keely wants to text me between now and then, like I can keep a secret, you know? Yeah. So. Right. Uh, <laughs> I I know for a fact you can't. You'll be what? No, you know for that. a fact I can. <laughs> Believe me when I say you know for a fact I can. <laughs> hey, there are so many good stories left for me to choose from, but you know where I'm going. I'm going Oculus Connect Six. Because Oculus Connect 6 happened this week, and we got some really cool VR news, including the fact that the Oculus Quest is going to be able to play Oculus Rift games. Now, we've been talking for a long time. Christian and I both purchased Quests when they came out. This is the standalone headset that Oculus put out. Um, and we both recommended it highly as the perfect jumping on point for VR because it is standalone. It basically took what was once a a display a peripheral that is a display that you plug into your computer and made it a console it's its own console it has its own bespoke storefront that has curated games that are made to work specifically for this thing which means that the games that work on quest are a subset of the total oculus games out there some of the more graphic intense stuff that was made for rift won't play on oculus quest because it is a you know it's working on a less powerful processor. It's got a mobile chip in it because it doesn't connect to anything. It's completely standalone. 
Great piece of hardware, but underpowered when compared to a big beefy PC. Well, now all of that is moot because this console works also as a display. Because now, uh, well, not now, but when this rolls out, which is very soon, announced at Oculus Connect 6, you can plug your Oculus Quest into your PC using USB-C, or actually a USB-3 cable will work as well. Uh, And it'll be able to stream Oculus Rift games, which is incredibly good news, I think, for any Quest owners that that have uh, PCs that can run this stuff because the library of titles that are available on Rift and not on Quest includes some must-plays, like, top of the list for me, Lone Echo. The fact that a bunch of Quest players are going to get to experience Lone Echo and be able to do it with just a single cable connecting to their computers, do it with that very comfortable headset that, you know, where the, the music doesn't go over your ears, where you've got these, those great hand sensors. I mean, it's, it's excellent news, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, Ray, are you, uh, are you an Oculus Quest owner? or uh, No, I, I only have the uh, PSVR. Hmm. Uh, that's my VR headset. I would love to get a Quest. I just uh, don't have the funding right now. Sure. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, the fact that, I mean, we – we knew that when once VR started to become a viable thing, that it was going to be only a matter of time before wireless headsets were going to become the, the next steps that everybody can use it because that's always, I'm sure at this point we've all tripped over a wire or gotten tangled up because we get in, so involved and, in, you know, whether you're swinging a, 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 an Oculus controller or uh, an HTC Vive controller or a PS Move or whatever. Um, so I think that uh, the fact though that, in order to make sure that you get the full library of games, I think, and as well as probably can boost power a little, I think is it's a great way to make sure that, hey, if you want the full experience, you can still get that with this device. But if you want to take it, you know, be unplugged, you can do that too. More options is always better. More flexibility is always better. I think this was just a natural step for Oculus to be like, hey, for those of you out there who have a really, really powerful PC and want to get the full gamut of what we offer with vr don't worry if you get a quest you're covered yeah i mean i i didn't expect this to happen i'm super pleased that it's happened i'm also extremely pleased with the fact that my oculus rift is connected to my pc with no fewer than three cables the fact that they pulled this off with a single cable is pretty great uh christian i feel like this is just massively great news for you because now you uh you can play all those games i've been recommending well, yeah, I sold my Rift um, when I got my Quest, and right. I was I was very happy to do so. Um, it, and this is, but this is this is fantastic. I, Facebook is releasing their own version of a high quality cable. I think it's going to be eighty bucks, and it's like five meters long or something like that. Um, I I'm the type of person who almost always buys OEM stuff, so I will buy that cable um, to use for it. And I'm I'm very excited about it. I'm curious to see what the latency is like and how well it works and how it's able to send and receive data on that single cable like that. And you know, they said a lot of engineering time went in to make this work, and they weren't sure if they were able to pull it off when they started working on it. But I think it's absolutely phenomenal news. I'm very very excited. If I were a person who purchased a Rift S, um, I'd be I'd be kind of upset. Like there's always the thing, hey, well, it's fine because you made the decision when better. you bought it. How? It's still- it, the screens are better. I don't think they are. You, you you keep saying that, but the specs on paper say they're not. Supposedly the uh, the S is is 
improved from the, let me, I can pull it up, but uh, I can understand that, that feeling. If you're, you know, if you're, you bought the S because you wanted to play the games on your PC and now they have this thing that does both, you know, get, get you a, get you a headset that do both. Right. Um, so I can understand being frustrated, but I do think there are things that the S brings to the table. The headset is more robust overall. It fits better. It doesn't have a, a flappy, uh, strap. Uh, it has a, you know, a, a full, you know, like nice, uh, harness for your head. It, there's a lot of things that it does better. So they did, there's an article on the verge. It's like, uh, Facebook is trying to say the quest is the only thing you need for VR. Also interesting. And we haven't talked about it yet, but they're bringing hand tracking, uh, yes. to the quest, not to the rift S yet. It hasn't been announced for the rift S. And when they talked to Jason Rubin, uh, suggesting about the difference, this is what Jason Rubin had to say. They said, suggested the S was still a high end quest alternative in some ways. Rift S has one extra sensor, and it does a better job of tracking over Quest. There are still good reasons to buy a Rift S. End quote. <laughs> That's not yeah. a, I, could, I mean, it's a more comfortable headset. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. I, I, I empathize for people who, who kind of were like, I'm not ready to give up. You know, I love the Quest, but I'm not ready to give up my tethered to PC performance. For someone who was ready to give that up for the freedom to be able to get this back again for a, you know, an $80 cable or whatever it ends up being. I'm through the moon, uh, through the moon. My analogies are awful today. Uh, but you are, you you know, you, I went through the roof to the, the moon. moon. Yeah. Thank you. you went soaring so high. You didn't quite make it over the moon, but you popped right through it. So it's nice. <laughs> I, I, I'm yet another country who did not successfully land uh, on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff come out of Oculus uh, connect this, this week, uh, as you said, hand tracking, super exciting for me. Um, I don't know where the quest gets that, extra processing power to be working on hand tracking because that is a very processor intensive thing but man wizards be wizards i guess they're making it happen we'll see how that actually plays out uh but also we got uh a first trailer for respawn's vr game that we've heard a lot about we knew titanfall what titanfall Titanfall. wish i wish no but it is another storied franchise with a long history even longer than titanfall much longer than titanfall madden Madden Medal of Honor. We knew it. We knew it was going to be a World War II game. They had mentioned that, but it is actually the old Medal of Honor franchise. Now, if you aren't, you know, old people like I am, uh, who have been in this industry for a long time, you may not remember that Medal of Honor was the World War II franchise. It was. It, it defined World War II games. It defined first-person shooters for a little while, and it was like a huge franchise. And then. Call of Duty happened, well, which was a, re- a response to Medal of Honor. It was like an also ran to Medal of Honor. And the Respawn and, folk were on Medal of Honor before going to Activision yes. to do Call of Duty. Now they're at Respawn and at EA going back to do – so this is like an OG team going back to the OG franchise. Yes, it is It is a birds come home to roost, but in VR – so we have Medal of Honor above and beyond. We got um, a trailer that really played heavily on the jingoism and on this this feeling of of you know really living through World War II, this noble war where we know the good guys and the bad guys, and um, a lot of that VR interactability where you can catch a grenade out of the air and throw it back, and you're you know, you're actually climbing ropes and doing all kinds of stuff. Looks pretty good. Um, 
what do you think, Ray? Did this this look like an exciting project for Respawn to be working on? Yeah, no. When I when I saw this trailer, I nearly jumped out of my chair. I was so excited. I mean, we haven't had a Medal of Honor game now in almost ten years. War Warfighter was the last one in twenty twelve, and that led to the death of Danger Close games. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and that was that was when to go back so call of duty was response to medal of honor and the medal of honor tried to respond to call of duty modern warfare and it just did not work so the fact that they're going back to their world war ii roots the fact that they're doing it in vr it, it's this is everything it looks like i want from from a vr shooter uh catching grenades shooting them out of midair actually having to like pick up my gun and and you know almost not load it manually but like the fact that you're actually moving around in that you know space in a virtual 19 early 1940s europe i I mean it's it's looks absolutely unbelievable and i'm so happy to see that this fran this long dormant franchise this is how it's deciding to make its hopefully triumphant return yeah christian what do you think i think the trailer was effective in showing the vr-iness of it like the catching the grenade out of the air and stuff like that is really cool it's interesting where medal of honor and Call of Duty kind of have become graphical tour de forces. This game, this trailer, in my opinion, did not present that. It, I believe it's coming to Quest as well, um, or maybe only for Quest. Like, I forget. Why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess there are some people that don't have PCs to connect to, but I well, feel and like... I'd rather, I'd rather play not sitting... I mean, in my yeah, space, you know it. Anything I'm doing in my office is not... I'm not... I'll, able to roam the way I can uh, if I'm playing out somewhere else in my house. Um, yeah, I'm curious how it plays. I'm curious how they handle locomotion. I'm curious if it's like a, you know, pop it, pop out a cover and shoot what they what they bring to the the franchise. But I think um, like Insomniac, I, I think is one of the, the best VR studios, you know, from a triple A blockbuster home console kind of studio. What Insomniac has done in VR has been nothing short of incredible. I'm very curious to see what Respawn can do because Respawn has made some of my very favorite console first person shooter game so them entering the vr space in this way is very exciting well you mentioned insomniac of course november 14th is the release of stormland uh, even before birthday. that october 10th we get asgard's wrath big two huge oculus exclusive games that both are rift exclusive games now basically get a a huge boost to their install base if you have this cord that can allow people who bought the quest to plug it into pcs yes you're still going to require a, you know a pretty significant pc to do it i don't think it'll be plugging into laptops but maybe <laughs> who knows uh the the idea being that at least a you know a significant number of people more are going to be able to play these exclusive games that are massive releases and look like games i am so so highly anticipating i mean i need my second eye to work by October 10th, so I can play Asgard's Wrath because I played it at a couple events over the last couple of years, and it's just awesome. I mean, it's God of War in VR, full on. Uh, and then Stormland also is amazing. So, and then Lone Echo 2 coming out quarter two, 2020, and Medal of Honor above and beyond. I mean, these are all huge, exclusive Oculus games that it's great that uh, Quest users now know they can just plug a cord into their PCs if, if they have a, you know, a PC that can support it and be able to use and play these experiences. It's great news. Yeah. Uh, they also announced a, a huge like 
uh, Ready Player One style VR space called Horizon that looks cool. Lots of lots of excitement, I think, uh, in VR. It's still a bit of the little engine that could, but I'm into it. Man. I'm obviously, but I'm I mean I'm encouraged. I'm bolstered by what Facebook continues to do with Oculus, and uh, I think the space is only going to continue to be vibrant below the the radar for a lot of people, but coming out with these incredible experiences that are going to gain more and more traction until it's, um, you know, obvious. It's, it becomes uh, something you can't ignore. All right. Um, there's so much other stuff to talk about you guys, but let's, uh, let's get talking about the games we've been playing. Cause there are a lot of them. And I think we're actually going to have a VR segment today because everybody's playing VR stuff. Um, so let's get to the games we've been playing, but first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Brooklinen. As you know, I have had uh, over a month of uh, post-eye surgery recovery. And the worst part of post-eye surgery recovery for me has been sleep because uh, I have to sleep in a very specific position. Uh, My doctor um, doesn't allow me to sleep on my back. I have to sleep on my front in one, one side, one specific side. And it has been awful. But the thing that has kept me comfortable and happy is that at least I get to nuzzle my sad face up into my Brook Linen sheets. For a while, my <laughs> my uh, bed had other sheets on them because my Brook Linens were um, were in the laundry. I insisted that I, I pulled rank and I was like, honey, we, we have to put the Brook Linens back on. I'm just – it's too scratchy on my face uh, this way because I've been – I can't roll over in the middle of the night. It's it's just terrible. So I have to have my face down in one specific situation. And I just want that comfort, that luxury that my Brooklinen sheets, I've just gotten used to it. I don't want anything else. Uh, Brooklinen is, is the best. And you spend over a third of your life in your sheets. You should probably want to be comfortable just like my sad face wants to be comfortable. Uh, when you sleep, you should sleep well. And uh, people are recommending Brooklyn. And you don't have to take it just from me. Uh, they were named the winner of the best online betting category by H- Good Housekeeping. They have uh, rave reviews from Business Insider, Apartment Therapy, Men's Health. 35,000 five-star reviews, more than any other online betting company. Half a million happy sleepers and counting. You need to upgrade your sheets. Uh, this is luxury, but not at a luxury price. This is uh, the the fact that you can buy it online. It doesn't have that luxury markup. Most betting is marked up as much as 300%. And these uh, sheets don't just feel great. They look great too. You can mix and match over 20 colors and patterns. It's fantastic. My Brooklyn sheets are the most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. I, that is the absolute truth. I love them. And their towels uh, are great too. Uh, I, I got to recommend Brooklinen to you. I recommend them to friends, family. Treat yourself. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Get 10% off and free shipping. And you use promo code DLC at Brooklinen.com. Go to Brooklinen.com, use promo code DLC, and you can rest easy on a number of levels with the great sheets, but also because they are so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get 10% off and free shipping is to use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code DLC, Brooklinen. These really are the best sheets ever. 
Mr. Ray Carcillo, uh, what have you been playing? What's on your playlist this week? Oh, I've got a lot on my playlist. Uh, depending on what system I got my, I'm playing NHL 20 on my PS4. Mm. I, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, the thing is, is that this is, uh, when you become labeled as the sports guy in video games, yeah. you get, you have to review or at least try to review every sports game out there. So, uh, I've been, uh, this is my 11th straight year of, reviewing nhl for someone wow so well sports games are getting smaller and smaller now and take less time to see everything so i'm sure it's easy to do yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so 11 years of nhl games where does this rank where does nhl 20 how, how is it uh it's good it's not great it's honestly it's not the 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 tough thing about iterating from year to year with, with sports games is that you're constantly trying to find something new to tweak. Obviously, when you have a jump from genera- generation to generation, you see graphics and typically physics and gameplay and that stuff improves. But we're, what, seven years, almost seven years into this generation now. So you're starting to see the guys over at EA Canada, they're looking to tweak the little things. So they've added a lot of depth to the franchise mode where you can, uh, if your coach has a certain play style, uh, your players, if they match that play style, might get a performance boost. Real minutia sort of stuff that like the real hardcore fans will enjoy. But if you're somebody who only picks it up every couple of years, you might miss some of this this stuff. Um, or if you are some, or if you're somebody who picks it up every year, you might look at this and be like, mm, "This it feels more like a roster update." If you're not somebody who dives deep into it, the big addition to NHL this year is. They're battle royale modes because everything has to have a battle royale mode now. One hundred hockey players dropped onto the ice. Is that what we're talking about here? So it's a series. So there's two battle royales. First is NHL threes, where it's uh, twenty seven, or yeah, so it's twenty seven teams of three competing in. Yeah, that's eighty one players. No, excuse me, it's twenty four teams of three. And it gets whittled down somehow until it's just two teams of three competing. And then there's NHL 1s, which is a 1v1v1 hockey match on a pond. And the person who scores the most most goals advances. And there's 27 matches of those going on at once. So it goes from 81 to 27 to 9 to 3. And then you have your champion. So it's it's a battle royale mixed with like a traditional tournament but it's their most arcadey modes. I will say this, they're easy to pick up and play. You can get through a whole tournament in like 20 minutes. Hmm. Um, so that is fun, but it, it feels like that NHL can't wait for the next generation of consoles to get here fast enough so they can just go back to focusing on graphics and physics again. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Huh. Well, those sound like novel ideas at least, um, something, you know, different, but it's just it's just uh, it just seems like a uh, spinning their wheels, is that what you're saying? A little bit, a little bit. If you feel, yeah, like I said, it, it's not quite a roster update in, in some regards. It's just you'd like to have seen more from their, their bread and butter modes, like for, for most players, which is franchise and be a pro where you create your own player. So Interesting. Well, uh, that's NHL 20, and you're playing it on PlayStation 4. What else is on your playlist? Uh, so I'm about three quarters of the way through Gears 5. I just finished up uh, Act 3 last night. 
I'm a big gearhead. I've uh, loved the series for a, a long time. Um, this has been, I know you guys have talked about it the past couple of weeks in the show. It, it's, uh, I don't know. It doesn't feel like gears as much this one. I don't know if it's, it's the open world segments or, uh, just the, the, the way the narrative is, is going this time. It just, it feels like in an attempt to, uh, to innovate because obviously you, you again, you, it's the fifth chapter. Well, sixth, sixth chapter, if you count the prequel game judgment, uh, and they're kind of starting to find ways to try and keep the gameplay feel fresh instead of just jumping from cover to cover and active reloading all the time against these these bullet sponges. Um, I'm enjoying it, but to me, Gears 2 is still the best of the series. Uh, I enjoy what they've done with multiplayer in this. I, I like the idea of earning stars to uh, on a daily basis to up your rank, and that's how you get your cosmetics and multiplayer. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's something that's going to keep me coming back for more, and I like the idea of not having to, uh, you know, roll the dice or you know, uh, you know, with the lottery system. That's basically a uh, you know um, the microtransactions, the the um, loot boxes. That's the word I was looking for. The loot boxes that they had in in the last game, uh, even though you could grind for for stuff. Uh, obviously, this way is much better because you can actually see what you're earning, when you're earning it, and what you need to do to get there. Um, but overall it's good, but again, it's not my favorite gears. Right. Interesting. Um, it it sounds like you wish it had stayed more, they had done less to change the the formula. You would have just preferred cover to cover bullet sponge. Just kind of give me more of what I already like. Yeah. I didn't need gears to be, to have open world segments, Hmm. you know? I mean, I, it was, it, it kind of started to grow on me by the end, but then when I got to that point, it was over. I got, I got, like I said, I'm done, done with Acts two and three, and I'm, you know, towards the end of the game. I know, so it. Uh, I don't know. I feel, I feel like that it, it would have been better had we just had a more. Uh, sometimes, not everything needs to be open world. Right. Sometimes just having a, a straightforward linear experience is fine, and I think that Gears tried to reinvent the wheel when it didn't have to reinvent the gear, so to speak. Exactly. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Christian, you had the opposite criticism. You thought it, it should have been quicker to being different. Is that right? Yeah, I really enjoyed how it how it shifted gears um, midway Hey-o. through the game. It, 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 I think maybe this is an agreement with Ray here, and maybe not. And I think you're probably a little further than I am uh, still with the game, Ray. But it, it doesn't commit to the bit necessarily it it both starts and from what i understand finishes um more traditionally and then there's a middle of like look at this we're doing something different now um tonally it's it it's still different at the end than it is at the beginning um but i i like that and i i like that that middle chunk i like how it opens up i certainly agree that not every game needs to be an open world game um but i think what they what they brought to the genre kind of how they added um, or put the gears formula into it, I think was an effective one. It's not as if, you know, all of a sudden it became Ubisoft and my map was full of like 10,000 markers of things for me to do. It still felt pretty focused, but I liked showing this larger world and, and kind of exploring and having a little agency over what I was doing. I thought was fun and exciting. Um, and I would encourage the coalition to keep exploring new ways and takes on it. Cause I think mm-hmm. for me, gears four felt 
so much of the same. And as again, a, a big gearhead as well. Um, I was excited to see what else that franchise could do or be or become. And I'm still excited to see that. I think Gears 5 is, is a triumph. It's a it's a really fantastic game, especially one that uh, I, like so many people, own, or air quote, own already through Game Pass. Um, but I want to see them lean more into it. I, I think um, had they committed more to that open world or that different approach, I think it could have been a um, a more interesting game. But they certainly prove yet again that and maybe this is to Ray's point, they pr- certainly prove yet again the co- coalition knows how to make classic gears. Like the first parts of that game are gears, and if that's what you want, um, th- this company can certainly do it. It's an interesting juxtaposition uh, between this game and something like Uncharted: Lost Legacy, which I think also had traditional and then a se- section of open world and then back to traditional. But I, I don't feel like anybody had the same complaints with Lost Legacy, maybe just because there's more going on in that universe narratively, or I, I don't know why. But I'm, I'm well, curious think, if you guys have a take. I hadn't thought of it. I think it's a great point. For me, I think Lost Legacy, it was, uh, again, air quote, free, because I bought it for like $10 or whatever it was for the season pass. So I was expecting a two-hour, like, extra mission and then the fact that it ended up becoming a game longer than the first uncharted was just gravy like they didn't sell it to me as uncharted 5 i I think people might have reacted differently then it was meant to be this different little thing Mm, um but i really i love that game top to bottom so but i also think it did something different even from the get-go while it was yes very traditional uncharted more so um it's you know the beginning those city sections are are relatively slow narrow hallways which uncharted isn't known for and i think the dynamic of the two main characters is different than drake's um quipping as well so while maybe mechanically it was similar to past franchises the tone i think set it apart i mean there were still quips there are a lot of quips of course i mean they were still full of quips they were quips it was to me it felt different yeah, well, definitely. I mean, new main character is inherently different. Um, yeah, interesting thing to to consider. I, I'm excited to play through Gears uh, Five. I I obviously have Game Pass, downloaded it, turned it on, and literally the very beginning where you're rappelling down a waterfall, I'm like, this game is too beautiful to play with one eye. I, I have to wait until I can see it with two eyes. I can't do this. It's just too gorgeous. In with um um hdr on it's just like it's staggeringly gorgeous i was like i'm not doing this game justice i'm not gonna enjoy this with one eye hey, hey, watch jeff. With two. jeff do you have game pass ultimate uh no you don't oh no i was gonna say pc and widescreen yeah i know ultra wide but see the trade-off is i do ultra wide on my pc and i lose hdr because i don't have an hdr ultra wide monitor Oh, or I play upgrade. on my TV and I get HDR, but no ultra wide. So well, I know what you get for your healthy eye present. To <laughs> yeah, dude, those <laughs> HDR ultra wide monitors are crazy expensive, and and yeah. everyone says HDR on PC is subpar anyway. Yeah, uh, which is a weird thing, but true. Um, so I'm I'm not in any hurry to do that. I, I like the I like that consideration of like, okay, I'll play, you know. <laughs> Borderlands 3 on my ultra wide because it supports ultra wide and looks awesome in ultra wide. And I'll play Gears 5 on my television because it's HDR and that's going to be way better. You know, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, also, Ray, you have been playing a Mario Kart Tour on your phone, which has been downloaded by like 11 billion people. 
yeah. <laughs> in four seconds, evidently. So uh, tell me about uh, free-to-play Mario Kart on your phone. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually it's it's a lot of fun. It uh, it's a little difficult to control at times because you're just doing it with the one finger. And you kind of just slide left or right, and your speed. Uh, you're always going at a constant speed. Obviously, right. you can get items like when it, like in regular Mario Kart, and if you get a mushroom, you'll speed up for a little bit. But for the most part, you're really just kind of going left and right. But it, there's something about it that's extremely addictive. I have not been able to. I've all, already cleared all of the launch content with the game. Wow. Um, which, yeah, which is, is, is it's a good and bad thing because obviously I was able to do it. I didn't spend a single real world dollar. That's I good. didn't have to. Yeah, I didn't have to spend any money. I got through all of the content. Um, if I wanted to like master certain courses, because instead of when you get, it's not like a Mario Kart where you when you win a cup, if you get first place in all the races, you win a cup. It's you win a race. And you're trying to get a certain score based on how many uh, ramps you hit, how many other drivers you hit with turtle shells, uh, jumps you do, etc. Things like that. Um, and if you hit the uh, the, the top score, uh, you get five um, shiny pieces. And if you get it, each course has five pieces. If you unlock, get enough pieces, you can then unlock the next quote unquote cup. Uh, so what, what's great though is is that there's really nothing to keep you from just playing again and again and again until you get that top score. So it feels like a old school arcade game mixed with Mario Kart. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like the control would drive me bonkers. That that is the one frustrating thing I'll say is is because it is it is super simple where it is just your thumb, but like you also then have to tap your thumb when you want to let go of an item. But then sometimes, like if you're like me, you start fidgeting with your phone and right. you accidentally set, you shoot your item off before you want to. Um, and then it's, so it does take a little bit to get used to, but the races are so quick. They're only two laps each instead of three. So each lap, each, each race is less than two minutes to play. Um, you can get, you can, like I said, you can get through it pretty quickly. I'm actually kind of curious to see what content they add down the line to keep people playing. Cause like I said, I've already beaten, I've already beaten and mastered all the races and the game's been out for four days yeah. at this point. So yeah. Crazy. Well, a lot of, it was fun while it lasted. Uh, that's great. Yeah, and it was free, right? So, hey, why not? Uh, awesome. That's Mario Kart Tour on mobile. Uh, and uh, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? Uh, yes. Uh, so I um, started playing Control again on PS4 because I wanted to see how, kind of what its frame ratiness was like. I played first through on my PC. We have it with the 2070 Super, and I loved it. And it was yeah, all um, those rays traced, dude. All them, traced it, all them rays. It's so good. Ray, Ray Carcilla was in there being traced. All yes. the rays. It was <laughs> real good. Ray Donovan, the real life person, yeah. not the actor yeah. who plays him. Just like uh, you watch SNL. Um, yeah, it's real good. So I wanted to see, I've heard, you know, from different people like, hey, you know, it's unplayable on PS4 too. Yeah, it slows down, but, you know, it didn't hinder my enjoyment of the game. So I wanted to try it. I am through maintenance, if that means anything to people that have played the game without giving too much oh, yeah. Um And yes, it, it, I'm playing on a base PS4. And I know that you get some abilities that add to, um, I'll say, the mayhem on screen later in the game. But through that part of the game, it has not affected the way i play the game in any way shape or form have i noticed a few chugs yes of course i have um but it it reaffirmed 
like I, I sat down to play it just to like, oh, let's see what this is like. And I kept playing and kept playing and kept playing. It has reaffirmed itself in my belief that it is currently sitting in the top spot of my favorite games of the year. Um, even again, replaying it on PS4. So I, I might keep playing till I get, uh, you know, a little, a couple more abilities to really um, that, break things up. Is that top spot like a, like a, like a bucket seat? Where a lot of things can sit squished next to each other, or are we we talking stands alone atop the pile? I'm talking one of my favorite games of all time. Woof! Wow, we all right, man. I, I will I will purchase this game and play it before the end of the year on PC. Uh, <laughs> on PC for sure. On PC. I want to trace those rays, but um, but getting this I, far I, on PS4, I've it. enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it so far again. That's good. So uh, yeah, uh, but I, I actually I actually enjoy and agree with Spicer. Like for me, if Jeff, if you haven't gotten this game yet, it for me, it's also at this point my game of the year. Wow. Well, it hit during a very bad time for me. Uh, I would have played yeah. it when it came out, but I was <laughs> able to do anything. And I'm still like in that position where I don't like games that are really beautiful and I'm just not able to put two eyes on things yet. So hopefully in the next week or two, I'll be able to to you know dip into these uh, these more visually spectacular games and give them their just due. Well, my next two are, are not visually spectacular. Well, they're visually spectacular and they're minimalism. Um, one, I too have played Mario Kart tour. It did not impress me as much as it did Ray. I think mostly because um, I felt it pushing me towards some of its microtransactions. And I had just become a monthly subscriber to Apple arcade, which continues to blow me away. And like team Sonic racing being on there and supporting vertical and one thumb play or horizontal and a little more control or play on my iPad. Or you can play on your phone too, but hook up a controller and have like a straight up cart racer. Um, I, I'm just like a, I, I'm, I'm in love with Apple arcade. So the two games I've been playing now, not spending more time on one is spec, which I, I, I could best describe it as like echo Chrome esque. If you remember that old, I think it was a PSP game where, you're playing with perspective and it's kind of um, black and white. Yes, exactly. And you're, and you're moving the environment around to kind of line up stairs to another environment to go over to a thing. And this is um, I'm I'm simplifying it, but it's like, you're a little dot on a, on black lines in white space. And you have to collect, um, I think they're squares, you know, little squares that are on the lines and, and, the plane you're on doesn't connect to the other plane. So then you rotate it and you realize you're not on a little square. You're on a cube and then you rotate it more. And you're like, Oh, that cube actually breaks apart and, and spirals down into this thing. So it's through manipulating space kind of like, um, I think was some of the most enjoyable stuff about the room. If you remember that those games on iOS where you're kind of spinning the box and unlocking it kind of thing, as you're spinning the world and spec into levels, it's really intri- interesting to see how those Escher S kind of worlds spin out and connect and it, i always feel very clever when i'm able to like oh and i haha they didn't think i would be able to link it this way and my little dot goes over there and and collects the thing it's really fun and then the game i keep mending, meaning to spend more time with and i finally sat down uh, a little more in earnest today because i i always like it and i'm like i want to spend time with this not in line at the doctor's office or whatever is bleak sword and it's uh published by devolver digital and it's a term that gets thrown around too much, but it's like a iPhone dark souls style game that I think has a beautiful aesthetic of you are a little like six bit, you know, not even fully eight bit. You're like a four bit little Atari warrior with a sword. 
Um, and the enemies are pretty simple as well, but it's this cool black and white, almost, um, what were those Star Wars arcade type graphics called? Um, oh yeah. Vector. Yeah. Vector. Like almost like that where there is 3d to it. And like, so it's like a, a small space. Each level is its own standalone screen for the most part. Um, and really cool music, but a really cool black and white aesthetic. Watch videos because my description won't do it justice of the, the visual aesthetic. And don't look at screen. Yes, look at screenshots. But seeing it in motion really sells it. Um, and it it is such an intuitive, really cool controlling. I'm playing mostly on my screen, you know, with touch interface um, experience where you have stamina, much like kind of a Souls game where you can't just spam attack, 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 attack forever. But the basics of how it works is um, it's meant to be one finger controlled. Flicking your hand across the screen, you'll roll. Otherwise, you're static standing on the screen, right? Again, like the, the map, the area isn't that big per level, um, per stage. So flicking your finger various directions on the screen, you'll roll that way. Hold and then swipe a direction, you'll attack hold a little longer and then swipe a direction. You'll do a strong attack, which uses more stamina. And if you're going to have an enemy come at you, you can tap and that'll block. You want to wait to kind of time it right. Like you would a la Arkham. And then if you tap to block and then swipe in their direction, you'll counter. So like one enemy at a time, it's pretty simple to kind of get into that nice rhythm of like parry counter attack, but how they start, you know, tweaking it later. There's also some inventive stuff that happens in later stages in the game, but it's with multiple enemies and how you're kind of juggling your roles, your attacks, your blocks, while knowing that you have the stamina meter that prevents you from, you know, just spamming wildly um, at enemies on screen. The sound is really great. The art direction is really cool. Um, Again, I'm not super far into the game, so I don't know how hard it gets, but it's a game I kept meaning to play. And again, Apple Arcade included in your subscription um i really really like bleak sword bleak sword i think had it launched just kind of alone outside of an apple arcade thing i think you would have maybe heard more people talking about it but again as i continue to dive into this library of apple arcade games i feel like there are more standout games than misses and if you have an ios device and haven't checked it out i i cannot recommend the service enough and then specifically um a lot of the games i've been talking about skate city uh bleak sword specs really fun team sonic racing i'm just i'm an it sounds like i'm sponsored but i'm not jeff i just genuinely love it it's just the fact that there are you know what i'm saying (laughs) that's really the problem Um, so i'm playing so i'm replaying control that's how i solve it (laughs) (laughs) on a worse on a worse console than the version i already own it on hilarious um exciting exciting stuff though uh bleak sword spec and control um my playlist is dominated by an event i went to this week that sony was putting on for the last of us part two here in los angeles where i got to play about two hours of the game uh two segments one from near the beginning and one from later on i don't know how much later on but evidently we're told that the last of us part two is the longest, biggest game that Naughty Dog has ever made. So there's a lot of this, a lot of this game coming at us. Two discs worth, in fact. I mean, we didn't talk about it in Story of the Week, but of course, a big, 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 big story this week is February 21st is the release date for Last of Us Part Two. So this began the big media push as it moves, uh, you know, through the end of the year and into February for when this game is coming out. Um, 
and I know Christian, you're very sensitive about story uh, spoilers. For yeah, Last I'm wondering Us. if I need to take off the old headphones for a second. I don't think so. Um, I don't think anybody listening wants to hear too much uh, story spoilers either. So I won't mention them. I, I mean, will say the state of play trailer. I really wish I didn't watch. I hope that there's more in store for the game than what they showed in that trailer. But I was very disappointed and what it appeared to be the narrative beats of that trailer revealed. Well, I haven't I seen the trailer. Wrong, but... I haven't seen the trailer yet either, but while we were there, Neil Druckmann specifically asked if anybody had watched the state of play trailer and we, that event was concurrent with state of play happening. So none of the journalists present had seen it. And he was like, good, don't watch it. <laughs> so, yeah. so I haven't, uh, which is an odd thing for him to say, but how, you know. how have you played two hours and you've had less spoiled than me? And I watched a two minute trailer. That very, sucks. That's very funny. That's very funny. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate. I, here's what I will say. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to talk about the two hours I played as much or as little as you guys would like, but, um, I have, so I have questions you, I can prompt you with if you like things I'm curious yeah. about from hands on. Well, I would uh, definitely love to hear that, but, but let me just start, start by saying, start by giving a little bit of background on me as listeners to the show. know, you love this series much more than I do. I admire it. And I, I have two good eyes and you have two Come good on, eyes. Sony. I could have been there. Yeah, it. Uh, they only had room uh, in the in the event for one more eye. <laughs> We're like, how the heck are we going to fill up this? We only have room for one more eye. And then I was like, I'm available. And they're like, oh, perfect. Uh, um, <laughs> so you, you know, this is like one of, I think, probably your favorite game of all time. Is that right? I mean, Lots it's impossible us. to have that, but yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Um. And I definitely appreciate the first game, really loved the story and the presentation of the story, admire it very, very much. It's not a game I enjoyed playing. I never enjoyed playing it. I found, and, and I fully understand that that is by design, right? The, the experience of playing Last of Us is one where you're not supposed to feel comfortable, where you're supposed to feel desperate and uh, vulnerable and uh, scared and too much of that game, from my perspective, was situations where I was like, oh, my God, I just want to get through this. Oh, thank God I got through that. I never want to do that again. That's That was my so much of my experience. And I get, again, that was by design, right? You were supposed to feel like getting past a clicker is a harrowing experience. I just don't look for that in my gameplay, in my games. I, I there are plenty of games that do that and do that well. There are even games that do that that I have loved. And I definitely am super glad I played through The Last of Us and enjoyed the presentation of that story, that world, that narrative, all, all of the things that make that game very, very special. I just never enjoyed the moment to moment, which to me is, is a big part of why I come to games. So I have now infuriated 90% of the audience, but you guys already knew that about me anyway. So coming to this experience, uh, I was excited because I know this is a big, big game. I love Naughty Dog. I love their games. I'm excited to see where this is going. And there were two sections, as I mentioned. The first section, much more story uh, than the second section. Second section was was basically pure gameplay, pure, you know, surviving, dealing, a lot of action, right? First section was slower hearing conversations understanding where these characters are now and again even on one eye 
this game is gorgeous, just stunningly beautiful, uh, reminiscent of, you know, like Red Dead Redemption 2. You know, it is it, it, it's that level of beauty. Um, and unfortunately for me, it really does feel like more Last of Us, even ramped up higher as far as how the game plays. The best thing I can say about this, this, I mean, there's a lot of good things to say about what I played, but the very best thing I can say is that when I died and I died a lot, but when I died, I pressed a button and I was back in the game in seconds, seconds, which what is you're you playing on a PS five. Is that why? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know what was under the box. I was holding a PlayStation four controller in my hand, but who knows what I was playing on. Um, I assume they were out of the box PlayStation four pros. That's what I would guess, even though the game did not look like it was in HDR, but who knows if it's going to support it. I assume it will last naughty dog release did. So I don't know. I, I don't want to read into too much, but I will tell you that I loved the fact that I could be back in the, I didn't have to suffer through a long loading screen. Even in this pre-release state, I was back to where uh, the last checkpoint was. Uh, and the checkpoints seemed to be pretty generous. Now, having said that, it means I'm going to play this game in a way that I don't think they want me to play it. And, and, that, and, and that is a flaw in my personality. But I will play it, the game where... Uh, I'm going to walk over here and throw a thing and try to distract people. And then they're going to go over there and uh, I'm going to try to think and I die and I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to play it like groundhog day, the movie where, you know, he kept going back and, and, you know, perfecting his conversation with a woman in a bar or whatever, or perfecting a, the way to steal money by just going and messing up over and over and over. That's how I'm going to play this game. I'm going to go, I'm going to do a thing. It's not going to work. I'm going to do a thing slightly different. It's not going to work. I'm going to go do a thing slightly different. It's not going to work, which I think is going to be an excruciating experience for me, but I can't help myself. That's how I, when the games let me do that, I do that. That's how I do it. Um, so in a large sense, uh, I appreciate what the game is doing again, but I definitely see that it is a game that, makes every encounter deadly, which I know a lot of people love it for. I don't, I'm not, it just feels rough, man. It feels rough for me to just like die over and over and over. And that it's a game where almost always the best plan is to run away or try to avoid it. And so I find myself sprinting through parts of a game world that are so gorgeous that I wish I could slow down and take them in, but I can't because I'm breathlessly running for my life from horrors beyond mention. <laughs> you know, it is, uh, it is that experience. So I think the game is going to be amazing. And I think the people that love the first one are going to love the second one. And clearly the story stuff is done with such nuance and attention to character and, realism. I mean, we're really in a place where video games are expressing as complex and nuanced stories as film and television. And Naughty Dog is right at the spearhead of that. And I think this game is going to set a new standard in that regard, but also it's brutal. It's violent. It's ugly. Um, when you stab someone with your knife, like you slice at them and you see every slice land on them. You see their face cut open. You see their the clothes sliced away. It is, it is 
brutal and kind of disgusting. Um, and, and I know it's trying to be, it is trying to make me feel that. And I am, but I don't like it. So Christian, now do you have any questions? I do. Question one, if they showed off any of the stealth mechanics of the game, I'm curious in your opinion, what has maybe been updated or changed from the prior games or game plus DLC Um, things I'm potentially looking for are like AI recognition in the first game. You know, it was like sneak, 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 kill this part of the person still sneaking, sneak, 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 or inversely cross a field. No way this person can see me. Oh, they saw me. Like, does it feel smarter? Does it feel that have they kind of tweaked that gameplay at all? Um, Well, they've definitely tweaked the gameplay because the, the new mechanics of stealth are, are, pretty different um now they're relying heavily on this uh moving this the the analog stick only slightly to walk slower like before if you were crouched and you were stealthing in last of us one you just were stealthing and you moved slow but you just you know you pinned the the stick to the edge and you moved at a slow speed now it is an analog movement in the truest sense that the farther you go with the stick, the faster you move and the more noise you make. So you do this, you play this game of like creepy, creeping, creeping, creeping by just barely moving the analog stick. Again, not something I particularly enjoy. I don't like that feeling of like, Oh, I have to be so precise with my stick uh, nuance, my subtlety on the stick. That's not something that I particularly find fun, but it is. It does add tension because you know your thumb twitches, and now you can be heard or whatever. Um, so there's that. You still have. I mean, I was still murdering people within two feet of someone else, and the other person didn't couldn't tell. But that's video games, right? I mean, it would be no fun if I stabbed someone in the neck with a stealth kill, and the next person was like, "Hey, Gary, are you all right?" You know, it would it would uh, it wouldn't be quite as fun. You want to be able to feel like you can take down a whole room by yourself uh, like a ghost in the night. Um, But there were a couple of moments that I did over and over and over again where I'm like, oh, they never were going to let me stealth Mm -hmm. this monster. This monster was will always see me. So this is the wrong way to do it. It feels like, oh, I was supposed to do it a different way. And I'm just learning that by dying over and over. Or they um, want you to feel that way. I mean, Ray might disagree. Maybe I played it wrong, but I feel like Gears 5 had sections where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm stealthing. Oh, I, I can't stealth through this. Like, it's meant to, you're meant to fail in stealth to then feel the rush of, oh, crap. Like, how do I, how do I react to this? Um, yeah, yeah even, even, even when you get the stealthing abilities. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a, <laughs> yeah. a monster. I hope. I hope you won't consider this to be a spoiler. I I don't remember if this monster was in the first game, but there's a monster in this one that sprays like a poison mist around it. Um, And the visual of that, when the monster, like this is a monster that I kept trying to stealth up and kill. And I, it was, it would literally always turn around and see me right when I got close to it every time. So I'm like, Oh, I see. Okay. Um, But the effect of that spray, that dust in the air it was always the kind of thing where it would like spray and obscure your vision with this green hue in the air with particles and it was gorgeous. And then the monster itself would 
appear out of that mist it sprayed backlit and and like it's silhouette coming out of that so cinematic and it did it every time you know like this is the effect you get when this monster comes at you it was terrifying and cool um but i mean the stealth it it did feel to me like the the characters were pretty smart i mean there was a section to be very, very vague, there's a section where you fight human beings. And the human beings felt very, very smart. They also have dogs. And the dogs are the deadliest thing in this game. <laughs> the dogs murdered me so many times. Um, and there's a whole thing about, like, you can see the trail of your scent to the dogs. And so you have to try to be slow and stealthy so that the humans don't hear you but move quick because you got to get that scent away from the dog or the dog will pounce on you. Hmm. I mean, it is. That feels very video gamey to me. Nerve yeah. 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 Like wh- how would a human being see the scent? Yeah. But that's the, that's how it works. That's um, interesting. Second question, crafting. Did they show any, is it like more yes. real time, realistic crafting or is it like hold X, like nails in jar and gunpowder again, which I, I think is effective and works in video games that I'm curious if they're, trying to make it a little more realistic or make that a little more um, nerve wracking as well. There's both, right? There's still a hold up to craft a med kit. And as long as you have the mats, it'll happen really quickly and you'll magically have one. Uh, And there's, you know, a lot of crafting of all kinds of stuff uh, that works that way. And it's still the same, like hold up, you can do it right now. Boom. You've got it. If you've got the mats, but the game also has, and I don't think this was in the first game at all. It has stuff like um, crafting tables that you'll find. Didn't have that in the first game, right? Dude, I don't remember. I feel like I've played so many games between now and then. Uh, I, don't be- I don't believe so. Yeah, you find crafting tables in this game that lets you upgrade your weapons and build some more complicated stuff. And that the level of detail there is crazy. Like, you'll, it, I upgraded my gun at one point at a crafting table and you watch her actually like take out a file and file down the barrel and like actually, I mean, the real world things you would do to affect the weapons. She, you watch, it's pretty quick animation, but it's a very specific animation of doing that, which adds, you know, a level of verisimilitude that's pretty cool. Um, so both answers are true. Okay. Yeah, Anything I mean, else? I'm very excited for this game. I'm I'm very curious to see uh, what the Wizards at Naughty Dog pull off on my base PS4. Um, I'm already in for this and the remastered version from my PS5. I'm curious to see, like, they've been showing Spider-Man right on PS5, like, instant load times. I'm curious to see um, what that can add to this game like are there baked in improvements because like all of these 2020 games that's what's in the back of my head if i'm not playing it on pc it's how is this going to be better on the console that's just a few months away i get you want to release on this install base but be long done with this game before that console comes out i will be yes, yes. i mean I, I tweeted at uh some friends at naughty dog saying i'm calling in sick for that weekend and they were like it's gonna take you longer than that and i said challenge accepted <laughs> <laughs> well I should be very, very clear. The game had massive load times uh, and the, the demo, I mean the, uh, yeah, the demo that I saw, the two sections that I saw, I don't know if those will be in the final version. I don't know how, you know, uh, 
close to the the final version this, this build was. It, it wasn't that the game didn't have load times. They were very, very long, in fact. But when I died and I was put back at a at a at a checkpoint, it was near instantaneous. And that to me is I if I could have one wish for video games, it would be that every game did that. And it sounds like this next generation of consoles, we really will have every game doing that. But, um, you know, for me, dying or doing something wrong and and having to start over, so much of the frustration that comes from that comes literally from the amount of time I have to wait between doing the dumb thing and getting a chance to try again. So so it's a huge benefit to the game that it has that. Um, but, But it also means that because it, removed the friction from that process i'm going to be doing it a lot <laughs> i'm going to be like going through and dying my way through this game um that's fun yeah anyway uh it, it, it's very cool it's gorgeous that the narrative stuff that i saw in the first section is sweet and beautiful and i think the game is going to have a lot of heart to it it's also going to be very dark very uncomfortable for people that are not into absolute gratuitous violence. Um, and I think the violence is supposed to land on you in a very significant way. It will, but I don't think that's going to make it feel good. It's going to, it's going to understanding what the game is doing. Doesn't, I think ease that for me, it makes it hard. Uh, it makes it hard. So yeah. Last of us part two coming very, very soon. All right. Uh, I know you guys have been playing some VR, so let's uh, have a little VR section. It says Jeff's VR, but it is not. I haven't been in a, a VR headset in pff, over a month, which is the I first thought time that I was the specific position you had to sleep in. I wish. I wish. I wish the doctor was like, okay, you have to be in VR for a month and a half. And I'd be like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only thing that can get strength back into that eye is to put it in VR. Yeah. So many people have asked me like, did VR cause your eye to explode? I'm like, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, I am super excited to get vision bath back in both eyes. And then I can get back into my headset. But in the meantime, you guys have played some VR. I know Ray, you mentioned you've been playing some PlayStation VR. Yes. Yeah, I uh, well, first of all, I'm always regularly me and my friends we're playing Beat Saber like yeah forever and ever and ever. Whether we're going over their place and playing it on on his Oculus, or my buddies are coming here, we're playing it on PSVR. It's ridiculous how fun that simple simple game is, but it's so great in VR and it just constantly satisfying. But besides that, I'm also playing. Uh, I just I finished Blood and Truth. Oh, good, yeah. Right? PlayStation VR. So, yeah, I was a I was a very big fan of it, uh, for sure. I, I loved the action. I loved. I mean, I, I I loved how some of the action sequences played out. Like it felt like you were in an action movie yeah. during some of those sequences, and it just you know, I mean, it's not the most original story. It's like Soldier of Fortune comes home and has this help his family with their not so legitimate business, and like, yeah. but it it it. I loved all the performances in it. Colin Salmon, uh, who kind of plays your CIA handler, who you kind of have a become friends with by the end of the game. Uh, he also plays General Zod on, on Krypton, on Sci-Fi. He was great. I mean, everybody gave uh, tremendous performances in it, and it just played really, really well. Uh, and that's what I want from VR. I love VR. 
lends itself so well to shooters. And this was just, I, I, I couldn't wait to get to the next level to see how I was going to move around in it and, and what bad guy, how I was going to take out the bad guys next. Yeah. And you're right. The performances in the game are great. And I think you appreciate them so much more in VR when you're, when you feel like mm-hmm. you're standing next to that character and they're talking right to you and they seem the right size and everything. I mean, it's one thing to watch a great performance on a screen, but to be standing in the same world, it, it, it really is important and comes through and, and improves the game a lot, in my opinion. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I definitely think that, uh, I, I mean, it, it plays like an action movie, you know? Like, I mean, that's, and that's what you, you want when you, you, it's a completely immersive experience. And yeah, when it feels like you're actually having a conversation with these, these people that you're surrounded by, uh, it's a natural conversation, right? It's not sometimes, you know, it's not jilted. It's not sound. It's natural sounding dialogue. Uh, it, it only makes the illusion that much better. Yeah. And I was super skeptical when this game was in development about that point to point movement thing that they were doing. Uh, but man, it really works. It really works. It feels to me like the yeah. next evolution of games we used to play in arcades, you know, those time crisis type games where you're, you know, the game forces you down a, a, uh, on rails kind of situation, but it, you're still having a great time popping you know, the enemies out of existence. Uh, and this game does it very, very well and gives you more options than those old games did too. Yeah. I mean, there's so many cover points and yeah, and you could, you can take, take, you hide behind cover as, as fire is coming in you're switching out guns. Um, and, but there are also the sequences where it's just, I mean, especially just later in the game where the ones that I enjoyed the most were, was it just, you just kept moving and guys yeah. are just coming at you and you're just having to fire at everything that moves as you're trying to escape from, from buildings or you're infiltrating certain compounds. And it just, uh, you know, I'm trying not to be too spoilery here in case there are folks out there who haven't played it, but it, it, it just, yeah, it just, when things were really moving you felt it and you felt like you felt the adrenaline kick in. And that's when like, that was when I, what I really fell in love with this game. So yeah, blood and truth, uh, PlayStation VR exclusive, just, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's excellent. It's just another in, in a great pantheon of games on PlayStation VR. There are some, I had a friend who tweeted me just recently. He's like, I just picked up a PlayStation VR. What are your must plays? I'm like more that can fit in a tweet. There's so many, there are yeah. so many great ones and a lot of exclusives on that platform as well. Cool. Yeah. Speaking of VR exclusive titles, Christian, uh, part of Oculus Connect Six was the release drop of the next episode of Vader Immortal. Uh, we both loved the first one, and I am dying to play the second one. I I need to heal so I can play it. But tell me, as someone who has played it, uh, does it improve on the first? Is it equally good, or does it drop off a little of the quality? Yeah, so I'm I'm only going to talk in spoilers here. Nothing else. <laughs> um, <laughs> before I get to Vader, I would want to say, um, if there is any VR money floating around, please someone call up Sega and let's make a Virtua Cop. I want Virtua Cop in that Blood and Truth style. I love Virtua Cop 1 and 2, and I want that game to come back. Yeah, because like, what's going on in the Virtua Cop world? I mean, all that lore is just sitting there. Uh, <laughs> we are on the edge of our seat. Where is the story going next with Virtua yes. Cop? Joke all you want. I love those games. Love oh, those games. Um, yeah, Vader Immortal Episode 2. So I will say that I think it's, it, believe it or not, I, and I played it all, in, and they're not long, but I played it all in one, not sitting, in one standing, I guess, for VR, yeah. in one facing. 
Um, I think that's the best way to do it. That's why they're kind of meant to be done, like a, watching an episode of a TV show. Yeah. It it sells its place and presence better and faster than the first episode. The first episode Ooh. had some incredible moments. Um, you start off in your ship, and the things you do and see are like really cool, and you're like, oh, I'm in VR. The second episode, the way it continues the story and the environments it puts you in, I think are really impressive and really sell the scale and the presence and the scope of what VR can do and, and be. Um, absolutely blew me away. The actual gameplay itself, I felt was a little not as crisp as the first episode. Um, the first episode has had one moment where you're kind of escaping on a, like a transfer barge, basically that I thought stole the show of that episode. And, and nothing in the second episode had anything that was quite as great as that moment, in my opinion. Um, it had one moment that I think was maybe supposed to be that, but I think I might have accidentally flailed my way through it just based on a natural reaction I had <laughs> while playing a moment. Um, and so I, I want to replay it and see how maybe that is supposed to be engaged with and maybe how I might have messed that up for myself. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's definitely still a recommend. I, I wish there was a way that I could have purchased all of these episodes for like a slightly discounted price, um, which they're probably not doing because they know I'm going to buy them all. But, I'm sure they will. When they've all come out, there'll be a right. moment where they do that. Yeah, yeah, probably, but I won't I won't wait for that. Um, I think if you haven't, you know, that definitely continues from episode one. So this isn't like, hey, just skip to episode two. I would highly recommend starting with episode one if you haven't played any of them yet. But if you are a fan of episode one, I think episode two continues in a really cool and exciting way and i think it's telling a pretty interesting story also so i'm excited to see kind of what it does with the story and where it goes so i still highly recommend it but i think between the two i think episode one had a little better gameplay and i think episode two sense of presence is um, a little better than episode one Again, that's Vader Immortal, and it is uh, currently, I think, exclusive to Oculus Quest, but will come to Oculus Rift uh, a later date. All right. Uh, I wish I could say that I've been playing VR, but I haven't yet. They're sitting there staring at me saying, Jeff, come back to us. And I'm like, I'm trying. Oh, I think um, you might have a bigger problem than just your eye if you're hearing your VR headsets, buddy. I think we need to go back to the doctor. Your VR headsets don't talk to you and tell you to come to their world. <laughs> Welcome to our world. Welcome to our world. All right. Uh, let's wrap the show up. Uh, that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, we do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Ray Carcillo, thank you so much for being here, sir. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun, guys. I love talking games with folks, and you guys are two of the most knowledgeable folks I know. So this has been a great way to uh, spend my evening. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. We, we certainly loved having you. Tell the folks where they can keep up with you and all the things you do online. Uh, yeah, so you can listen to my own podcast, Geeks Who Like Sports, where, uh, wherever podcasts are heard. And, of course, uh, I'm on the Twitter, at Ray Carcillo, and Instagram, at Ray Carcillo. And, uh, yeah, uh, definitely uh, like me and follow me soon because I've got some big announcements, some big personal announcements Ooh. coming up that I think people would be interested in hearing about. So. Nice tease. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? 
uh, people that have been enjoying the live stream and are bummed that I'm not doing it currently, I apologize. It will be coming back for this show, which is typically Sundays at 7.15 p.m. And my Twitch is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. I'm rebuilding the layout. I got uh, I didn't do them while Jeff was away. And then I started tinkering with it. And then I got it to a place where I didn't have a layout. <laughs> I, I, everything <laughs> I don't think gets, that's tinkering. I think that's deleting. Everything gets messier before it gets cleaner. So right, is, is what I tell myself. So hopefully soon, hopefully maybe for next week is the goal, but we shall see. But that's twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And then my Twitter is at Spicer, which is the best place to get in touch with me. If you got uh, something to yell at me, you can do that. You can do that there. Jeff, what about you? Well, you can always uh, find me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I'm also, I'm back. I'm back to my life as of last week, uh, back doing all the shows that I stopped doing during my recovery. That means the slash film cast. We're talking about movies. We're going to talk Ad Astra this week and then Joker next week. So it's a big, big time. Uh, also, I'm back doing the Dungeon Run, which is a show I'm very, very proud of. I'm doing a live play Dungeons and Dragons show. Uh, came back last week. It's a great jumping on episode because I was gone for months. So I do a big, big recap at the beginning of the show, talking about all the story points up to that mo- moment. And we are currently under the ocean in this incredible, incredible model that was built for us. It's a Hollywood caliber model with a giant kraken that has movable limbs and a cool ju- uh, titan that they're trying to save under the ocean. You should check it out. It's on YouTube. You can find it by searching for The Dungeon Run. It's also available as an audio podcast, which is a great way to listen to long-form entertainment like that. Uh, But the best way is to watch us live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific on Caffeine at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right. So let's uh, wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Ray, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yes. If you haven't been reading month to month Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp's The Green Lantern that started about eight months ago, the first six issues have been collected in a volume called Intergalactic Lawman. And it is, honestly, it is probably my favorite Green Lantern run since since Jeff Johns' about ten years ago. What Morrison is doing with Green Lantern is up there with what he did with X-Men. Um, I think I think it's better than his Batman run, honestly, wow. thus far. Um, and I think that, I mean, obviously, I, what he did with Doom Patrol was legendary. It's not quite legendary, but I think in that Morrison style, there's a lot of great throwbacks to the Silver Age and Bronze Age Green Lantern stuff with Hal Jordan that we haven't seen in a very long time. And he's doing it with that classic Morrison twist that makes it feel fresh and fun. And if you're not reading it, definitely go pick up the Green Lantern Volume 1. Intergalactic Lawman. Very cool. I got to get on this. I have not been reading it, and I'm a big Grant Morrison fan, so awesome. Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift? Would you ever believe that it's music in the pop punk genre? Would anyone... Who are you? I know, it's weird, right? Who even are you? I don't even know. I don't even know. A band called Tiny Moving Parts. They have a newish, it's not brand new, but newish album last couple of months, maybe, maybe even this month, uh, called Breathe that is out. And it is fantastic. Um, 
there's a little a little harder core maybe screamo in there but it also kind of evokes i think like modern baseball those kind of feels so if you're looking for something new to listen to check out tiny moving parts their new album breathe very, very cool. Uh, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It's a bit of a long one, but I think it's worth it, man. I, I did not know about this. I checked it out. It is awesome. This comes to us from Michael Sweat. Michael says, uh, hey, I've been listening to you guys since the weekend confirmed days, and I've written in a few times in the past, but don't think I've ever sent in a parting gift. So here's one for you. It's a YouTube channel called G.I. Joburg, which is made by three guys from South Africa who are fans of the vintage three and three quarters inch G.I. Joe figures from the 80s. They started out making excellent video reviews of figures and vehicles, but for about the past year, they've transitioned into making unique narrative content featuring the classic toys. It may sound a little cheesy, but their writing, filming, editing, and voice acting skills are incredible. Rather than use stop motion, they just record the toys as they puppet them and seeing their hands in the shot as they manipulate them and mime explosions and gunfire gives it such an incredibly playful feeling of nostalgia. And they do the majority of the shots against the beautiful backdrop of South Africa scenery. You will be blown away by aerial battles between a sky striker and rattler above a mountaintop overlooking the ocean or the climactic duel between the havoc and the thunder machine on the beach or the deadly underwater duel between a shark and a couple of cobra eels riding a hydro sled. Oh, and the Conquest X-30 taking off from the deck of a seven and a half foot long USS flag aircraft carrier that is floating on the actual ocean to intercept a Cobra Night Raven at sunset. The pure joy and enthusiasm they bring to the G.I. Joe collecting community actually reminds me a bit of you and your joy of games. One of their numbers, Steven, is even a theater actor. He does a large portion of their voice work. So if you grew up playing with G.I. Joes in the 80s and want to get a serious nostalgia trip or you're younger and you just want to see how much more awesome our toys used to be, check out G.I. Joeberg on YouTube. Can't really go wrong on the channel, but some of the major narrative content you could search for are Atlantis Factor Parts 1 through 5, Graduation Day, which features Sergeant Slaughter in the 1986 roster, and Blazing Sand Part 1 through 5, which feature the Dreadnoughts. Very, very cool. It says, I hope you and your listeners can check out some of the pure retro toy joy featuring their channel. And congratulations on over 300 episodes. Uh, thank you, Michael. I did watch some of these and they are awesome. It's so charming. Uh, have you guys, either of you guys uh, heard of this or seen it before? No, but I, I feel like I have to now because I am also a huge G.I. Joe fan. Oh, me too. <laughs> Somewhere at my dad's house, I have a giant plastic garbage can full of all of my gi joe figures which i loved them so so much but the the charm of this he talks about it a little bit michael did in his email is that they're they're just puppeteering these things and they're totally fine being in the shot or having their hand in the shot in fact like there's a sequence on the sand that i saw where the 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 um vehicles are on the sand and a helicopter comes over and shoots and they literally come in with their hand and like tap the sand a bunch of times to see where the bullets are going. They're like, choo, 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 and the, and the, that makes divots in the sand and you see their fingers go in and make those divots, but it's awesome and charming and fun, man. It's such a brilliant idea to do it in a lo-fi way, but to use really high caliber filmmaking techniques. I mean, they're using close-ups and well-composed shots. I, I just, uh, I'm, 
in love with it. It's such a great idea. I wish I'd thought of it first. Um, <laughs> and it's great. You guys have to check this out. Thank you, Michael, for sending this in. My parting gift uh, is a Netflix original, which I just watched the other night. Uh, it's the new Zach Galifianakis Between Two Ferns, the movie. Uh, I loved Between Two Ferns when it was, you know, an internet sensation, however many years ago now. Um, it's just super dry, kind of uh, borderline <laughs> mean humor, but really funny uh, celebrities poking fun at themselves. Zach Galifianakis giving very awkward, stilted, inappropriate uh, interviews. Uh, and to expand that into a movie seems risky because it's a very uh, specific form. But this, you know, delves into the backstory behind the people that make this public access show and w their dreams. And it, it's full of huge star cameos and that same kind of really dry humor, which I find very funny. And I laughed my way through this. Uh, Between Two Ferns, the movie, even if you haven't watched Between Two Ferns, you'll, you'll get it. It's very, very funny. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to uh, Ray Carcillo and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. Uh, thank you to all the folks who, uh, well, we're not, we're not going live. <laughs> we're not live. Uh, thank you to, uh, thank you to all of you for listening and downloading the show. Thank you for recommending us to friends. Thank you for sticking with us for so long. We're so appreciative and we will be back next week. So stick around then as well. Until that time, think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place.